talking Giants player profiles and projections. Today we have, can I get in, John Ross. Mm. Not a John Ross and John Ross. I love the people online that try to correct you on your grammar when it's like, no, that's like what it's supposed to be. Those people don't deserve any John Ross. No, Five foot 11, 194 pounds, 25 years old, very young. The former first round pick. I mean, we all know him from the 4-2-2-40 coming out of Washington. The Bengals take him as a top 10 pick. And it just did not work out in any way. The Giants take a flyer on them. Like, these are the kind of contracts you want to see. You know, and this is, I think we even talked about him be, like pre-free agency. It's like, like who's going to be this year's Nelson Aguilar that the team that drafted him gives yep. him up on, but he's got all the talent in the world. And then, I mean, Aguilar killed it with the Raiders. So the Giants give John Ross uh, a one-year $2.2 million deal with $1 million guaranteed. And I do think he's a lock to make the roster. Mm. Like, like, you know, coming in the camp, now to see the way they're using him, I know at the time of a recording, he's a little banged up. But I do, if he's healthy, I look at him as a lock to make the roster. But in 2020, he only played 17 snaps, was totally not involved, wanted to be traded. And then he had a foot injury while playing corner. Like, he played a little corner at Washington, and they were like, hey, like they obviously knew it wasn't going to work at Washington. They're going to move in the corner. And in practice, he had a foot injury. And we can go through all the years. It seemed like every year there were some, you know, flashes, but it was injuries and, and really bad drops. It just didn't work out at Cincinnati. But he just has that undeniable speed. That's going to give him this second chance with the Giants. Yeah. You know, the first note that I have is not even a stats, not even nothing. It's just this is a guy that needs a fresh start with a new team. Frankly, you could say that Evan Ingram also is one of those guys that would qualify in the Giants roster, you know, former first round pick. But John Ross, this is a signing that is exciting no matter what happens. Like even Bobby, you know, even if he does get cut this camp, this is still a signing that. I'm still going to always look back as exciting because it was such low risk, but the reward can be so high. And before we get too into the numbers and stuff like that, I'm rooting for him to make the 53. I, I kind of do prefer him over Sills. I mean, I got to see Sills. I prefer him over Dante Pettis because he's just a really exciting player and he could be a situational weapon. Now I, the expectation when we signed him was not that he was going to be out there for every single snap, you know, but this is even pre Kenny Galladay, pre Kadarius Tony, but he's a situational weapon. I mean, Bobby, just think about the times that CJ board and Austin Mack would get snaps. Let's just say as an example, I know Mack was mostly a, a blocking wide receiver, but the situational times where CJ board catches a ball, you know, once every two games, how cool would it be for John Ross to get those snaps? where it's like, okay, well, John Ross, you're an exciting player. You're here. You're a big play player. That's what he's been known for in his NFL career so far. He's a big play guy. He's also known for his drops, but he's just an exciting guy that can come in if he can kind of catch the ball and if he, and if he can stay healthy for sure. The numbers on him are just so weird and up and down. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. But you look at, I mean, let's just go through some of them. In 2019, in eight games, he had an injury. He averaged 63 yards per game. Like that's what that's that would be our best like production on the team. Like yeah. in eight games, he was averaging 63 yards. So he had 506 yards in eight games, which is a thousand yard season. But it was only on 28 catches, was averaging 18 yards per catch, had three touchdowns. And remember, three touchdowns, he did that in half a season. Yeah. Our leading to now, this was probably a, a record low for <laughs> passing touchdowns for the 2020, but like Slayton, three touchdowns, Shepard, three touchdowns. He did that in half a season with Andy Dalton as his quarterback. Yep. Um, and then you look at the drops, though. In 2018, you know, he didn't play much in 2020, but in 18 and 19, 15 drops in 21 games. 
and, and a 14.3% drop, which was top five in the league. And they were, and if you go look at the John Ross film breakdown, I did, I finished the video off with the drops. They were big plays, like very big plays. So you see 63 yards per game. It could have been like, you know, 75, you yeah. know, 80 yards a game. If he doesn't have these huge yep. drops. So it's just, it's so up and down. And then let's look at 18, seven touchdowns playing 60% of the snaps. Um, you know, and then three, three touchdowns, you know, that, uh, that next year playing 37%. And the year he had the seven touchdowns, he had 21 catches. He caught a touchdown every three catches he had. Yeah. It's just, he's such a huge, <laughs> big play threat, but he's unbelievably unreliable. Yeah. Um, some little bit more advanced stats for you. According to NFL Next Gen 2019, John Ross had the most wide receiver separation out of all the wide receivers that averaged more than 14.5 air yards per target. So typically, you know, take Kenny Galladay, for example. Kenny Galladay is one of the worst in the NFL at getting separation. Well, that's because he's getting targeted deep down the field. So it's kind of a little bit more excusable. But John Ross, take for example, gets targeted deep down the field, but he creates separation. Some more advanced stats, 15.6 average depth of target in 2019. That's kind of similar to Darius Slayton. 7.1 yards after the catch per reception in 2019. That was sixth in the NFL, the entire NFL in yards after the catch in 2019. And his expected yards after the catch per reception, the difference between those two was about two yards. So it's a positive. That means that John Ross, but with his own individual performance, is adding that two yards extra yards after catch per reception. 22 first downs on 28 catches in 2019. 15 drops combined in 2018-2019. Fast burner that really the Giants need. They need big plays, and John Ross can bring that if he's on the field and whenever he can kind of be used. Yeah, well, now it's a fresh start. Really not a ton of ex- – like, I mean, there's four wide receivers who are, like, firmly ahead of him. Maybe he's – Maybe he is wide receiver four over Tony at the moment. You know, like, you know, we yep. don't know how it's going to play out. And, you know, but even that is a very low expectation for him. And then, you know, the, it really, I do think the fresh start thing means something. He's going to have a different role. Um, you know, we can, we don't usually talk about special teams on these, but we can talk about him as, as a kick returner. Which um, isn't it crazy how Cincinnati never used him like this this is a Zero guy that's special team snaps in four years inconsistent offensively and has a drop problem you would think that oh let's just throw him on special teams unless they just didn't want him to get hurt but inconsistent offensively let's just put him as a kick returner and use his lightning fast speed the fact that Cincinnati never did that boggles my mind and I'm rooting for him to do that because that is I would say it's like his best path to make the team right um and, and they the Giants did put out an unofficial depth chart the first one he was kick returner one Cool. So I do expect him to be used in that. But let's 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 just his role in the offense. Yep. I really think it's going to be simple. They're gonna he's going to get snaps if he is on the active game day roster. He will get snaps in every game he plays. You put him on go balls. Put him on slants. Like just let him work the side. You know, like hey, use your speed. Yep. Use your speed. You don't have to. Be, he doesn't have to be the best route runner to be a situational wide receiver. Nope. Use that speed. I mean, we've seen. You know, we're talking about the numbers. Seven touchdowns, you know, playing 60% of the snaps, uh, you know, three playing 37%. So he he will like he will lead the big plays. It's just catch honest, the ball. That really is it. <laughs> because we're not expecting him to come out and be a, a huge every game contributor. It's just when you are out there, don't ha- drop the ball. No, but I mean like that's my yeah. ex that is my hope, like my realistic, like please get better at this. I don't want him. I don't need him to be a great route runner. I don't need, I, I don't need anything special out of him. Just be fast 
and don't drop the ball at an alarming rate. Yeah, because, I mean, if we come out week one and John Ross gets a target and his first target is a drop, and then it's like, oh, boy. You know, I know not a lot of fans know a lot about John Ross, so maybe they're just like, who is this nobody that dropped the ball? But I, I can imagine the diehard Giants fans that know John Ross and maybe are a little skeptical about him because of the drops in the past. If he comes out there first week and he drops the ball, it's going to be like, oh, boy, uh, not a not a great look. I mean, he makes Evan Ingram, like, drops not look that bad. Like, <laughs> it, it was brutal. And, I, it, you know, again, I, I would – you don't need to go watch the whole film breakdown on John Ross. Like you, you know, you'll get to points like you get it as fast. Go watch the very end and the drops. I mean, it's it's just brutal. So anything, anything else? I mean, I, I, it's a it's a win win with John Ross. Yeah. Like if he doesn't plan out to nothing, it's okay. It was one million dollars guaranteed. So you know that's a little more guaranteed money than that's more guaranteed money than any like bottom of the wide receiver depth chart will probably get. But it's just there's so much reward that can yeah. be there. Yeah. You know, like if, if, you know, so we're looking at these numbers. If in 37% of the snaps, he has three touchdowns and, you know, 250, 300 yards, that's a, that's as successful season yes. for John Ross as wide receiver four slash five. Yep. And usually said this a couple times this camp, sometimes things work themselves out. Hopefully, John Ross isn't the guy that's on the, injury bug where he allows somebody else to get the roster spot. But sometimes between Kadarius, Tony being, you know, uh, in in and out with, I guess they're bringing him back slowly from COVID. I don't, we don't exactly know what's going on there, but some guys that are hurt, Kenny Galladay, you know, he's going to be struggling with an injury for a little bit. Sometimes these things, they work themselves out where there's a lot of depth in one spot, but John Ross could very well make the team because somebody else isn't ready, but I hope he just makes the team flat out too, because he has the most out of all these wide receivers here. We'll end it off on this out of all these wide receivers that are battling for this wide receiver five spot. Is he not the most exciting player out of all? He's the only one that you have to, like you really have to account for every time he's on the field. David Sills, you don't need to be like, Hey, make sure you're covering over there. Dante Pettis, as talented he is, he's not like someone that puts fears in defense. No matter how inconsistent John Ross is, no matter how many drops he has, every time he's on the field, that defense is like, okay, like we better be, we better account for him and know where he's at, or this could swing the game and turn into a 70 yard, 60 yard touchdown. So, um, and that's why, you know, that's why I'm rooting for him. And that's why I really like that signing. So, all right, let's take a break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. James Bradbury. James Bradbury. I don't know why I did a French accent. That was that was pretty lame. That was me. cool. No, I liked it. Six foot one, two hundred twelve pounds, twenty eight years old. Is he the best Dave Gelman draft pick ever? That's a great question. I think it is. Like, and I don't think it's even that hotly debated. But was McCaffrey a? Gettleman yes, draft I would pick? think I would think Bradbury would be a better draft pick, um, especially since he was like, and when you're including like second, like he was drafted in the second round and like involving that. Did McCaffrey like win James, an MVP? McCaffrey? No, he didn't win an MVP. Offensive uh, offensive MVP. He might have won Offensive Player of the Year, but uh, but I even if he did, I'd say James Bradbury is the best Dave Gettleman draft pick of all. I'd time. agree. Yeah. And then Dave Gettleman said, "I got him once. I got to get him again." Signed a three-year, forty-three million dollar contract, restructured it. Um, so after this year, he's a $20 million cap hit with seven of dead cap. It was something would happen, have to happen crazy for him to not be here at the start of the 2022 season per pro football reference in 2020, 
He uh, allowed 61.5% uh, of his completions against him, which is actually was the highest of his career core in the football reference. The years before were 59% and 44. But it was his lowest yards per completion at 10.4. And you got to think, when this guy is covering the wide receiver one, he allowed 580 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. I mean, imagine if your number one wide receiver had 580 yards and four touchdowns. That would be worse than Darius Slayton's season last year. Yeah. As, yeah. as a and and we've faced some good wide receivers. I mean, he dominated Allen Robinson. Like he dominated a lot of good players, and even games where he wasn't like dominating, they still like DK Metcalf didn't have a great game versus us. So man, I mean, he is the probably the best player on the team. He one hundred percent, I think, is the best player on the team. Uh, he did not allow a reception over twenty eight yards last year. Twenty eight yards was week one against Juju Smith Schuster. Bobby, do you want to break down that play? And that was, yeah, that was on a rub route. That was, an, a, it wasn't even on a rub route. That was on a crosser where Juju Smith did a good job using whatever linebacker or safety as a pick for Bradbury. So that was week one, a 28-yarder that James Bradbury allowed uh, on a crossing route, which is so, so tough to defend in the NFL today, and did not allow a reception over that because the Giants' defensive theme was last year just not allowing the big explosive play, and that's why they were so successful. Calling him the best player on the football team right now, you know, maybe outside of Saquon Barkley, that's not a wrong opinion. According to Pro Football References, approximate value metric, which is basically almost think of like war wins above average or wins above replacement, excuse me, in baseball. Uh, Bradbury was the most valuable member of the 2020 Giants. He was the only Giants player to finish with a double-digit AV. This includes out of the quarterback position. And also, it was better than Byron Jones, which the Giants were thinking about signing last year. And then also better than Marlon Humphrey, who was also one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League last year. James Bradbury played the most amount of snaps in his entire career in 2020. He had allowed less than 600 receiving yards. That's also key, too. So despite the you know allowing a... Uh, a pretty high completion rate if you want to consider what it looks like in 2018 and 2019. Still allowing all less than 600 yards and playing all those snaps is very impressive. Career best 18 pass deflections, tied for second highest in the National Football League, and allowed an elite average depth of target of 9.5 yards. Cornerback one, allowing each time he's targeted less than 10 yards is very, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, he was a dominating factor for the Giants' defense from the cornerback spot. And, you know, something we've talked about is the Giants, you know, trying to build their secondary. And, and they better, because of the edge guys they have right now, aren't good enough to not have a great secondary. But that's what Bradbury comes. And and really, it changed the way Patrick Graham was able to call his defense. Because a lot of stuff is shading players to one side or the other. Where are you yep. going to help your players? And and James Bradbury is the reason why Isaac Yadam and Darnay Holmes had like not horrible seasons. I know when people say Yadam, they they think, oh, he's horrible. He was probably the worst starter on the team. But like for his play, like I wasn't I wasn't mad for at Isaac Yadam for what I expected out of him. And part of that is because they were able to help with the safeties over the top. You know, Darnay Holmes wasn't have to you know be put in and bad situations at the next corner because a lot of times it was like hey we're gonna put Pat, uh, our James Bradbury on one side of the field we're gonna shade everything else to the other side because we know we know for a fact that I can trust him over there not just to stop a big play but he can stop he's gonna stop the eight yard curl route too he's gonna stop the out route too he's gonna stop like he's gonna be able to jump the rub routes on the opposite side so he changed the way Patrick Graham was able to call a defense because of how good he was and you know it's it's crazy that he had his best year last year, and I, I tweeted about this the other 
uh, the other day when we were prepping it for uh, this. It's like it's kind of crazy that Blake Martinez and James Bradbury both got their contracts and then had contract like year, like contract like years, had their best career years after they got their big money. Well, it's it's also value. I mean, credit to those football players for not just collecting their money and you know just sitting on their laurels and getting their paycheck with their second team. But also, it's about great value as well. And specifically with those two players, the Giants are getting great value out of those contracts. And they're hopefully going to be rewarded with some contract extensions maybe at the end of this year because those deals were only three-year deals. Um, Bobby, speaking of value, you know, having a cornerback one before this past year, I thought of it kind of differently where I looked at a guy like Byron Jones who never got targeted. And I'm like, that's a lockdown, like Darrell Revis type of corner that I want to have on my football team. I've kind of changed my line of thinking where James Bradbury, even before this year, was a cornerback that did get targeted a decent amount. And I am now kind of flipping my focus to like wanting and to prioritize having that Byron Jones type of corner that never just never gets targeted. Because guess what? NFL teams, they're still going to throw the ball. They're just going to throw the ball to a different part of the field. When James Bradbury can make plays on the football and deflect passes, or I'm still trying to figure out how he came down with that interception against Allen Robinson week two against Chicago. When Insane. he can make when he can make plays on the football like that, and guess what? When he's being targeted, then the weaker spots of the team, like Isaac Yadam, like a rookie Darnay Holmes, those guys aren't getting targeted. But when Bradbury's getting targeted, I can trust that he's, number one, not going to allow a big play, and number two, that there's a good chance that maybe he can have a pass breakup, pass deflection, et cetera, et cetera. So I've kind of changed philosophically how I think of what I want my cornerback one to do. Do I want him getting targeted 150 times a year? No. But somewhere between the 70, 80, 90 target mark does not mean that my guys, uh, my cornerback one is allowing guys to get open all the time because he's being targeted so much. But even with that, like he allowed 56 catches on 91 targets. So not the worst completion percentage, but 56 catches. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Like, can our wide receiver two, like, get that number? I don't, you know, like, can we, can we expect that, you know, if healthy? So, like, he didn't allow a ton of completions either, man. I mean, uh, granted, he missed one game with, um, not with COVID, but being close to someone that had COVID. But he, I mean, he was, he had a dominating year. And, you know, you brought up that Allen Robin interception. He got an interception. He gave an interception to Julian Love earlier in that game. Yeah. Like Julian Love's interception was because of James Bradbury. So, I mean, it's it's the way he's able to, like like I said, not give up the the big play and can play off, but he closes the gap so quickly. And it's because I think he's just smarter than everyone else. I think he's like, I know when the ball's coming. I know when this route is going to break and when to close that gap. Like it's not just being a you know where Adore Jackson might be a read and react type corner. Um, and I want to talk about how it works with him and Adore. Like where Adore may be more of a read and like a read and react. It's like where Bradbury's like, no, I'm I'm gonna be there. I know where I know when this is gonna happen and where that guy's gonna be, and I'm gonna beat him to that spot. And that's how I mean he should have had a couple more interceptions because of because of plays like that. Yeah. I, I wanna yeah, hear ones we- versus Amari Cooper are the ones that like stick out in my head. It's like he was beating Amari Cooper to the spot. I wanna hear what you have to say about how he kind of fits with the Dory Jackson. Cause also part of me remembers watching the film from Carolina and he was playing a lot of off ball, a lot of off ball coverage, you know, playing, you know, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage and knowing, you know, there's a 
chance that Patrick Graham may want to play more physical this year, may want to play in more press man, and we do. And as we know, if you listen to the show, I say this that all the time, how the Giants ran a ton of cover three last year. So I don't know if James Bradbury, and I'm saying this as an I don't know because I'm not as much of a film buff as Bobby is, I don't know if James Bradbury was put in those situations where he was playing press man at the line of scrimmage a lot last year, but can we kind of transition that and can we also expect James Bradbury to seamlessly transition to playing in like more of an aggressive press man if Patrick Graham does want to go that route? Yeah, because every time Bradbury was in press man, he was good. Boom. You know, like Love it. I talked about the rub routes. You know, there's one versus Seattle that really like sticks out where it's a play made to get your, your number one wide receiver free. And Bradbury reads it, reacts it, plays over the top of it correctly and beats his guy there. It's on a, on a slant flat. So, yeah. And I really do think him and Adora Jackson are going to mess with wide receiver one's head because they're different corners. You know, where Bradbury is bigger and more physical and more like, hey, I, I'm going to know where the spot's going, where Adora is that speed. And you can beat Adora Jackson off the line, but you're still not going to beat him on that play. Even if your name's Tyreek Hill, like he's going to be able to be with you step for step. So you may think you've won off the line of scrimmage and you have a big play coming, but here comes Adore trailing and, and closing in on a play. So, you know, Giants wide receivers have talked about in camp. He's like, they are very different corners. Both very good. James Bradbury, obviously better, but they are very different corners. And I think that's going to mess with wide receiver one's head. Like, I don't know what I'm getting when I leave the huddle. Like, I don't, I don't know what type of coverage I'm going to get on on this. And that makes a difference. That... You you're you're hearing your route in the in the huddle, and it's like okay from now until I I get to the line of scrimmage I got to decide how, what type of release I'm using like that stuff matters that mess with the wide receiver's head just not having that consistency and I'm, I can't wait to see how it plays out yeah yeah excited uh, James Bradbury is probably the, the the PPP where it's probably the simplest where this dude's good. He was just put number 74 on the NFL top 100, which I feel like that's the right spot for him. But also if you are one of uh, the top five corners in the national football league, I think you should be ranked higher. But the fact that this was the first year where he started to enter the conversation 2020, that is first year that he entered the conversation. I think that number 74 ranking is fair, but after this year, if this Giants defense is a top five unit, like we're expecting them to be, and James Bradbury is still doing James Bradbury things, and you know maybe he's the same or he gets a little bit better with the addition of a Dory Jackson, and also better safety play because there's three safeties now. Uh, Xavier McKinney almost works as a free agent acquisition. You know, if the play continues to sustain itself, and we look at him and we look around the National Football League and say this guy's a top five player in his position, you know, let's get that player ranking up more, and this dude will get more national recognition, which is what what I, that's what I want for James Bradbury this year: more national recognition as one of the top corners in the National Football League. Well, it'll definitely come when you know we play that first playoff game and he's shutting down. Whatever number one wide receiver we're going against. That is speaking that into existence. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, let's go big blue.
John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcasts. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening.